Our passage this morning is taken from Mark chapter 15, and we're just reading verse 1. Mark chapter 15, verse 1. And as soon as it was morning, the chief priests held a consultation with the elders and scribes and the whole council. And they bound Jesus and led him away and delivered him over to Pilate. If you have been following the news in the last two weeks, one word has dominated the news headlines at home and abroad. And the word is freedom. We read it on the placards of the Black Lives Matter movement as they marched on Parliament in Whitehall to demand the Marxist version of freedom. We heard it on the lips of fashionistas as they flocked to fashion shops in the West End when shops reopened on Monday. One shopper uh, interviewed by the Associated Press said this, I love shopping, so I thought I'll just come out to get a few things. This is wonderful freedom because we are so limited to the places we can go. As I thought about the matching of the Black Lives Matter movement on Parliament and the joy of the shopaholics, it reminded me that it reveals two things about all of us. First of all, we all love freedom. Or to be more exact, we love autonomy. We love to have control over our lives. We love doing what we want when we want. Uh, we do not want people to impose restrictions on us in any shape or form. We may disagree about what constitutes freedom, but at the core of our being, we are all freedom lovers. The second thing it I learned from, from watching those two events is that it tells us that we are always searching for freedom. Some version of freedom, freedom certainly as we see it. And in the grand scheme of things, it seems that we never seem to find the freedom we search for. That's why there's always movement after movement searching for some version of their freedom. That's why there's always more things that we want to do in life. We always want more and more freedom. George Washington once said, freedom is a light for which many men have died in darkness. In other words, we long for freedom that never comes. Why are our lives like this? Well, the Bible's answer is that we lack true and lasting freedom because there is, all, there is a deeper slavery within all of us. You see, ever since we rebelled against God in the Garden of Eden, all human beings now are born as slaves. Now, as you sit there this morning, you probably don't see yourself as a slave to anything. But the Bible tells us a different story. The Bible says all of us are slaves in four ways. First, we are slaves to the power of sin. None of us can stop doing evil against God and against one another. We do not have control over our actions as much as we think we do. We can't stop thinking evil thoughts. We are evil to the core. We are slaves to sin. 
The musician DMX speaks for all of us, I think, when he says to God in one of his songs, I have tried doing good, but good is not too good for me. You see, sin is not just something we do or simply something we are guilty of doing. Sin is our slave master. We are helpless against it. The Lord Jesus, speaking in John 8, verse 34, said this, And Jesus answered them, Truly, truly, I said to you, everyone who commits sin is a slave of sin. And that's all of us. So we are slaves, of, we're slaves to sin. The second slavery you and I have is that all of us are under the slavery of death. The Apostle Paul speaking in Romans 6 verse 23 says the penalty of living under the slavery of sin is the slavery of death in all its forms. You see, all of us are under physical, eternal and spiritual death. We don't just die physically, we're already dead inside. We are already cut off from the life of God. That's what sin has done. Sin has totally cut us off from God, who alone is the source of all life. So, we are slaves to sin. We are slaves to death. And thirdly, all of us are under the slavery of Satan. You see, Satan is a powerful rebel angel who brought evil in our world. And he lives, his, his, his existence is all about making us slaves of evil. All human beings enter this world carrying the surname of Satan as our father. We are born as spiritual slaves in Satan's house of slavery. Finally, all of us who are under the slavery of sin, death and Satan are on the road adding to the eternal slavery of air when we die. So in short, we have this fourfold slavery that we, we are under, and our life in this world is very bleak indeed. We have no true freedom in this world. We are like the children of Israel when they were in Egypt, when they were trapped there in Egypt. They, they, had, they were without hope and without God in the world. Do you see what I'm getting at here? Your biggest problem in life is not someone else oppressing you. Your biggest problem is not even that government has placed you under lockdown for the last three months, we might say. No, your biggest problem in life is that you are a rebel against God under the slavery of sin, death, Satan, and hell. This is your pressing slavery. This is your pressing oppression. And you need to be set free from it. And this should be your focus in life. To be set free from this slavery. But you see, the problem is that you cannot set yourself free. In fact, the problem is much worse than that. Because human beings are not just slaves to sin, death, Satan, and hell, we are blind to that slavery. We live as if we are free. We are in a terrible condition. We are blind to our own slavery. That's the terrible situation we are in. It is bleak. Now, I have taken time to explain our present slavery because 
unless we understand the bad news, we cannot appreciate the good news. And the good news is really good. The good news is that God is not happy that we live as slaves. So he has come to us in Jesus to rescue us from our present slavery. You see, the issue is that even if you and I ask God for help to free us from slavery, God cannot do it. He cannot free us from our slavery, not because he's incapable of freeing us from our slavery. He cannot free us because God is just. We are rightly condemned as spiritual criminals. We have rebelled against him. Our position is a just one. So God, if he's going to remain just, he cannot free us from our slavery. God can only set us free from our slavery if someone perfect willingly takes our place and suffers the punishment from God that we deserve. That individual must be human to stand in for us, and he must be as powerful as God to take on himself the full weight of God's punishment. And the good news of the Bible, the sensational good news of the Bible, is that God the Son, Jesus, stepped into our shoes. He freely gave up his freedom to go to the cross to set us free. And we find this good news throughout the entire Bible. But we especially, I think, as well find it in this verse in front of us this morning, in Mark chapter 15, verse 1, which says, And as soon as it was morning, the chief priests held a consultation with the elders and scribes and the whole council, that is the Sanhedrin council, and they bound Jesus and led him away and delivered him over to Pilate. We can summarize the truth of this verse in one sentence. This verse is teaching us that Jesus lost his freedom to give us lasting freedom. Jesus lost his freedom to give us lasting freedom. And that is the truth I really want us to think about and apply to our lives today. You see, my goal this morning is to encourage you to receive and enjoy true and lasting freedom that God in Jesus Christ offers to each one of us. Now, last time we left Jesus at the house of Cephas, the high priest. If you were with us last week, two weeks ago, I should say, we left Jesus at the house of Cephas, the high priest. He has been put, that's in chapter 14, he has been put on trial in a, in a kangaroo court led by the Jewish religious council, the Sanhedrin, we need to remember that at this time, the nation of Israel is living under an oppressive Roman military dictatorship led by Rome's emissary, Pontius Pilate. So the Romans are in charge. The job of the Jewish Sanhedrin is to ensure that all Jews are doing as they are taught. They are there to help keep the Roman occupation peaceful acceptable to the people. The Sanhedrin, like everyone else in the country, still lives in hope that one day God will send his promised Messiah 
to liberate them from the colonial power of Rome. And they have been waiting for this. And along has come Jesus. They have taken a look at Jesus and decided, no, he's not the one we've been waiting for. In fact, they now regard Jesus as a threat to the nation. So they have done a sham trial on Passover night. We looked at that last time. And they have found Jesus guilty of blasphemy for claiming he is God. We read about that in Mark 14, verse 60 to 65. Let's just read those verses just to refresh our memory. Mark 14, verse 60 to 65. And the high priest stood up in the midst and asked Jesus, Have you no answer to Mark? The trial is going on. What is it that these men testify against you? Verse 61. But he, but he remained silent and made no answer. Again, the high priest asked him, are you the Christ, the Son of the Blessed? In other words, are you the Son of God? And Jesus said, I am. And you will see the Son of Man seated at the right hand of power and coming with the clouds of heaven. And the high priest tore his garments and, and said, What further witnesses do we need? You have heard this is blasphemy. What is your decision? And they all condemned him as deserving death. And some began to spit on him and to cover his face and to strike him, saying to him, Prophesy! And the guards received him with blows. That is where we left things. Jesus is now waiting to be put to death. But to kill Jesus, they need Pilate's approval to rubber stamp his death. The, 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 only, 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 only the Roman government can sanction a murder. And so they need Pilate to, to, to give the go-ahead. But it's late in the night. Okay, so they have to now wait until morning. So that's Thursday night. They now need to wait until Friday morning to see Pilate. In Mark chapter 15 verse 1, it is now Friday morning. So the Sanhedrin now has come together ready to do its work. That's why we read in verse 1. And as soon as it was morning, the chief priests held a consultation with the elders and scribes and the whole council. And they bound Jesus and led him away and delivered him over to Pilate. Now we need to slow down and take in this big, huge moment. Jesus of Nazareth is now a guilty man bound in chains. He has lost all his human freedom. The word for bound there in verse 1 that Mark uses uh, to describe Jesus, when he says, and they bound Jesus, is the same word that he used to describe earlier in chapter 5, the man who had the legion. Let me just refresh your memory from Mark chapter 5. In Mark chapter 5, verse 3 to 4, we read this. Speaking of the tomb man, the man who had legion. He lived among the tombs, and no one could bind him anymore, not even with a chain. For he had often been bound with shackles and chains, but he wrenched the chains apart, and he broke the shackles in pieces. No one had the strength to subdue him. And of course, it remained like that until Jesus came. So what, what Mark wants us to see in Mark chapter 15, verse 1, 
is that Jesus is shackled, bound, robbed of his rightful freedom like a demonized man who needs to be kept under leash. The word bound in, in verse 1 of Mark chapter 15 is, a, is also the same word that Mark used to describe what happened to John the Baptist when he was arrested and imprisoned by Herod. In Mark chapter 6 verse 17 we read this, For it was Herod who had sent and seized John and bound him in prison for the sake of Herodias his brother Philip's wife, because he had married her. And so Mark is expecting us to connect the, the John the Baptist story with Jesus' story. He's expecting us to remember that the life of John, which we looked at as we went through Mark, is meant as a foreshadow of the life of Jesus. Like John the Baptist, Jesus has also now lost his freedom. Like John the Baptist, our Lord Jesus is shackled in chains, not because he has done anything wrong, but because he's holy and innocent. In fact, Jesus is under lockdown because he has openly confessed that he is God coming to reign over his people. Because he has confessed that he is the one they have been waiting for. And this is what makes Mark 15, verse 1, utterly astounding. And they bound Jesus and led him away and delivered him over to Pilate. As we look at Jesus being led away in chains, the picture has irony written all over it. You see, the Sanhedrin does not know, but we've known from the beginning of Mark 1, verse 1, that this Jesus in chains is the only one free because he is God the Son. In Mark 1, verse 1, we read, the beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. We have known of Jesus' identity from the beginning. We know that this person in chains is the same Jesus. God the Father told on his baptism, You are my beloved son. With you I am well pleased. We know he's the same Jesus. He's the same Jesus who loosened the spiritual chains that held the tomb man who had been demonized by the legion. We know that he's the same Jesus who woke up and rebuked the storm. He's the same son of God who walked on water for miles to get to the disciples. The chief priests do not know it. But we know that this Jesus they have bound in chains. This Jesus they have mocked, beaten and bound is the God of Israel. They claim to worship in their temple every day. That's the irony. That's the paradox. But it is more bizarre than that, isn't it? What the Sanhedrin don't really know is that they do not have to keep Jesus in chains. Because Jesus is not running away. You see, if Jesus wanted to break free, he can. He has more power than a billion Samsons put together. Jesus can walk free anytime he wants. 
that Jesus is not breaking free. He has no desire to break free. Why? Because this is why he has come. Jesus is God putting on human flesh to live as one of us in order to lose his freedom as one of us so that he could set us free on the cross. You see, Jesus is keeping those chains on his hands because it is by him being bound that he is able to set us free from the slavery of sin, death, Satan, and hell. The, 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 the freedom is bound in chains because only through his slavery, we might say, he is able to then set us free. You know, this is a beautiful paradox of Mark 15, verse 1. And as soon as it was morning, the chief priests held a consultation with the elders and scribes and the whole council, and they bound Jesus and led him away and delivered him over to Pilate. The beautiful paradox of this verse is that as the Sanhedrin puts Jesus in chains, they are being mysteriously and sovereignly used by God to break Ultimately, our chains. You see, the bondage of Jesus here is the beginning of Jesus losing his freedom in our place as our substitute until he's finally nailed on the cross for us. You see, in a few hours, Jesus will be led away as a condemned prisoner. On that Good Friday, he will be carrying his cross to Golgotha. And there he will be bound to a crossbeam with Roman nails. Right there on Golgotha, Jesus will be imprisoned with Roman nails. He will lose his freedom to even move his legs, to move his hands. He will be completely bound by nails. And then eventually Jesus will lose the freedom to breathe. That freedom will be taken away from him. Our Lord there on the cross will literally die as a condemned captive. And we are forced to ask, aren't we? Why is Jesus allowing this to happen? Why is he allowing himself to be bound and led away and delivered over to Pilate? and ultimately on the cross. Because Jesus has come to exchange his freedom for your slavery. Why is he allowing this for you, friend, for, her, for me, for us, for sinners, for us who are enslaved to sin, death, hell, and Satan? You see, the death of God the Son, Jesus on the cross, his loss of freedom on the cross is the only ransom God will accept for your new freedom from sin, death, Satan, and hell. Only the blood of Jesus is sufficient to set captive free. Only the blood of Jesus is as an infinite price enough to rescue us from our slavery. Do you see what I'm getting at? You and I need Jesus bound in Mark 15, verse 1. These words are good news. 
And they bound Jesus and led him away and delivered him over to Pilate. This captivity of Jesus is God offering you and I freedom from sin, death, hell, and Satan. Jesus is God offering truth and lasting freedom to us. But for you and I to enjoy it, you must trust in Jesus alone. I must trust in Jesus alone. You must trust in Jesus alone as your Lord and Savior, as the one who sets you free. What is a Christian? A true Christian is a person who knows in her heart that she is a slave to sin, death, Satan, and hell. She knows she can never set herself free. So she is trusting in the death of Jesus, in, in the slavery of Jesus alone to free her from her slavery, to give her new life. She has expressed this trust in Jesus by repenting of our rebellion. Our rebellion against God and surrendering all our life, all, I should say all, our whole life to Jesus as Lord and Savior. And from that moment of surrender, Jesus has delivered her from the slavery of sin, death, and hell, and Satan. And she now has a new life and a new future in Jesus. She is no longer a slave to sin, death, hell, and Satan. She's now, we might say, a bond servant, a slave to Christ. Yes, she will still sin and will die physically in the end if the Lord does not come during her lifetime. But her spiritual state before God has now changed. She's heaven bound, not hell bound. She's under the freedom of the spirit, not under the power of sin. She has new life, not spiritually dead. She is a brand new creation in Jesus. Satan is no longer our master. Jesus is our king. And so every day she is growing to become like Jesus. Our king. And every day she's experiencing greater freedom to say no to sin. Not because saying no to sin commends her to God for salvation. No, because it is a fruit of our new life in Jesus. Does this describe you? Have you been set free by Jesus? Are you a new creation in Jesus? Or if not, come to Jesus and receive new life. Receive new freedom from him. Tell Jesus you are a sinner. Ask him to forgive you of your sin. Ask him to set you free. And this very moment, he will set you free from the power of sin. From the power of death. From the power of Satan. And from the power of hell from the fourfold slavery that you are currently under. And he will bring you into the kingdom of his dear son. And, and God will bring you into the kingdom of his, his beloved son, the Lord Jesus Christ. What about those of us who already have new life in Jesus? What does this truth mean to us? What does it mean 
to us? How should we respond to this amazing truth we have just learned that Jesus lost his freedom to give us lasting freedom? Well, I think the only way we can respond, first of all, we must thank God every day that God in Jesus gives us true freedom. We must thank God that he who for all eternity existed in perfect freedom entered human history to be bound by human chains for your sake. You must thank God for that. Be thankful that in Jesus you have a God who is not only humble enough to wear human chains, but out of love allowed himself to be bound to the cross for you. As the hymn writer says, was it the nails, O Savior, that bound thee to the tree? No. It was your everlasting love, your love for me, for me. Thank God for the depth, the wideness, the vastness, oh, the immeasurable love he has for you, that he became a man to lose freedom so that you can be free and live with him. So thankfulness is our first response. Our second response is that we should let this truth encourage us in those moments in our lives when we feel our freedom to live for God is being restricted. You know, as a church, we are currently on lockdown by, the, by Her Majesty's government. We cannot meet as we please. We can celebrate the Lord's Supper as God commands us to celebrate it. It's been interrupted as a result of government regulation. This is not only frustrating for us as a church, but it's also frustrating for us as individuals because the COVID-19 restrictions have taken a huge toll on us individually actually as well. Some of you are suffering mentally. There's also economic challenges associated with this slowdown. Financial struggles as a result of the situation we are in. It is hard losing freedom in the way we've lost it. And yet in this passage, we see Jesus is also on lockdown. And that should comfort us in our lockdown. Because it says Jesus knows how it feels to lose freedom. To lose the freedom to live for God as you want to live for God. Jesus knows what it means for him not to be able to share the good news because the Sanhedrin have concluded Jesus' ministry is non-essential. We have a Savior who knows what it means not being able to meet with friends he has spent the last three years with because the authorities have, have him bound under lockdown. So as we continue in lockdown, let us together ask Jesus to strengthen us, to, to help us to live faithfully for God at all times. And we can come to Jesus and ask him to do that, to help us, because Jesus has been under lockdown. Jesus knows what it means 
to be kept restricted from living the way God intended human beings to live. Let us go to Jesus for help. And let us do this not just because of the COVID lockdown. Let us do this for all other lockdowns in our lives. There are many situations in our lives where we do not enjoy freedom to live for God as we would like. Some of you perhaps are in the marital lockdown. Your spouse behaves in a way that robs you of the freedom to live for Jesus the way you rightly want to. That's a lockdown. Freedom restricted. Maybe you are in a vocational lockdown. Your boss just keeps on piling work on you or other colleagues are just pushing work your way or they're just not pulling, your work, pulling their weight. And you do not feel free to... to, 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 to you, you now find yourself in a situation where you don't have time in your life really to just get on top of your job and really enjoy fellowship with other believers. Enjoy fellowship with us as you would like. There are many kinds of lockdowns that we are facing in our lives. And these situations can, can, can force us, can, 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 can drive us to take matters in our hands in a, in a, and behave in a sinful way. We may become poor witnesses for Jesus just out of frustration of being locked down or being restricted in our freedom to live for God. Or we may just grow bitter inside. My brothers and sisters, are you facing one of those situations? Well, if you are, let Jesus, let verse 1 encourage you. And they bound Jesus and led him away and delivered him over to Pilate. Let Jesus bound in chains here encourage you to go to him and ask him for strength in your situation because he sympathizes with your situation. He knows what it is like to lose freedom to live for God, to lose freedom as a human being to live for God. So let us go to him. Let, let us be encouraged by by this verse to go to Jesus. Finally, as followers of Jesus, let this verse encourage us to examine our hearts and repent of any areas in our lives where we are stealing freedom from God, where we are stealing freedom from our Lord Jesus Christ, where we, where we are binding Jesus in chains. You know, in our justice system, there are different levels of imprisonment, aren't they? At the one end, we have solit what, what, what is called solitary confinement. Okay? Solitary confinement, whereby the prisoner loses all freedom. They can't see any other inmate. They just live in this cell by themselves. They, are, they, are, they still exist, but they have no, they've lost every freedom you can think of. That's solitary confinement. That's one extreme. At the other extreme, we have offenders who leave jail, they're out of prison, but then go on on license. They're now in the community. They can enjoy freedom in the community, but they go around wearing an electronic tag. 
Now, I was thinking about that. And I was thinking about this. This is what, this is what came to my mind. You see, as true followers of Jesus, we do not place Jesus in solitary confinement in our lives. We never completely rob Jesus of his freedom as Lord over us. But many of us are making Jesus wear an electronic tag. On the surface, we say Jesus is free. Jesus is Lord of our lives. Right? That's what we say publicly. But the way we live, we live in such a way that we cut Jesus off from certain areas. We put an electronic tag on him. We say, you can do this, Lord, but not that. There are many areas in your life you don't let Jesus have full control over you. You, you don't need me to tell you what these areas are. You know them already, right? When I mentioned it, it probably popped in your head. It popped into your mind. Your conscience just told you, yeah, you know this area. There is that area, there is this area, right? Now, it may be a habit that you are not repenting of. You're refusing to surrender it to Jesus. It may be a relationship that you are you have that is completely ungodly and, and you're not letting Jesus be Lord over that relationship. Maybe some friends you need to cut off. Or it may be a relationship thing in the sense that there may be people you need to forgive who you, are, you have not forgiven. You're not letting Jesus be Lord over that situation. It may be a place where Jesus is calling you to be humble. And you're refusing to allow Jesus to be to, to obey Jesus' command for you to be humble in that area. Maybe it's your finances. Jesus is Lord over many areas of your life, but he's not Lord over your wallet. Or it may be your constant refusal to share Jesus with others. You have gagged Jesus. You have many opportunities to speak of Jesus, but you decide to let to tell Jesus to keep quiet. You don't want Jesus to speak through you to other people. Is not Lord over your mouth. You've made that decision. It's Lord over other things, but just not your mouth. Or it may be your commitment, your lack of commitment to fellowship with other believers. But you know what those areas are. Maybe your lack of prayer or Bible reading. You know areas where you are keeping Jesus on electronic tagging. The question for you is, how long will you keep Jesus on a tag? The Lord is asking you this morning, how long will you bind me in chains? How long will you keep me on the leash like the tomb man? How long will, how long will you continue keeping me in prison like John the Baptist? When will you repent of doing that? Well, as a child of God, the Lord Jesus wants you to answer, today, today, I repent, Lord, of putting you on license. I repent of having control over areas that belong to you alone. Beloved, do it today. Do it right now.
Repent of trying to rob Jesus of his freedom over your life. Don't be like the Sanhedrin. When Jesus came, he declared he was God coming to reign, and they said, no, 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 not around here. Don't be like them. You are a child of God now. You see, we cannot say with our mouths we have received new freedom in Jesus and then deny our precious Lord Jesus who, who, who was bound in chains for us. How can we deny him the freedom to be Jesus in our lives? You know, if you want to grow in enjoying your new freedom in Jesus, you need to grow in surrendering more and more of your freedom to Jesus. And we know that we don't have to fear losing freedom to Jesus because Jesus went on lockdown to give us true and lasting freedom in him. So this morning, let us repent of putting Jesus on lockdown. Amen.